0: You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing KeynesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And we cover Miami Hurricanes athletics, as you know, and the Miami Hurricanes football team came out with a victory in its season opener, 38-3 to 3, over Miami of Ohio. And today I am joined by none other than Brandon O'Doy, reporter in South Florida, high school football expert. He's been covering the Hurricanes for years and just kind of wanted to get his perspective on the game as he was there, live and in person, as I was. We are going to talk a little big deal not a big deal uh, because you know there's a lot of overreactions in week one brandon and before i get started i just want to make sure make sure you're subscribing to this channel liking sharing commenting uh to this podcast as well and it's available on all platforms but yeah brandon what did you think about overall just the performance Big margin of victory for the Hurricanes. This is a team that usually doesn't perform that well against, I would say, lesser tier competition. Right. But uh, they actually made the spread here. And Miami is now 2-8 and eight against the spread in its last 10 games. And they ended a five-game losing streak at home. So big deal or not a big deal.
1: Well, I think just where this program is, Marcus, and uh, hello to everyone. Where this program is, it is a big deal to get off to a comfortable win against Miami of Ohio, a team that, you know, is not a doormat in the MAC conference. It's a team that has some pedigree and obviously has a veteran quarterback. He looked absolutely terrible against Miami. And I don't know whether some of that was just the fact that Miami's defensive line got pressure and. You know, the defense played a lot better than we've seen in the past. The biggest takeaway for me is the offensive output. And yes, um, it was a vanilla scheme, uh, but I think it was exciting to see some semblance of a running game, you know, in this offense and and what Shannon Dawson and, you know, uh, Coach Marabal are trying to put together on that front side and and really push people out of the way. Now, we won't know uh, a lot of what we think we know until Saturday at 3.30, but – In this context, as you're saying, stopping the home losing streak and kind of getting to a comfortable win at home against a team you should beat, you know, these are all things Canes fans have taken for granted over the years uh, because of the years of dominance, the national championships. And now these are, you know, grabbable moments and like, oh, yeah, it's it's good to go into a game like this and not think about being upset. And so, yeah, it's a big deal because, you know, I, I talked about this, you know, on my own cane platforms, which um, describing this where Mario Cristobal is in year two, that it's not a rebuild. A rebuild is when, you know, a few things, you know, a hurricane passes through. You got some shutters that fall down and you got to fix some windows, etc. This is a construction project because. At the end of the day, this hurricane program is so far removed from its winning ways. It's so far removed administratively from focusing on providing the amount of revenue necessary to fund a legitimate college football contender. It's so far away from a fan base uh, that, you know, comes into games, you know, whether they're big teams or not, who are just here, you know, showing up for the kids that are playing. Those things are so far away. You're 20 plus years almost a generation in some cases away from legitimate comp competitive Miami hurricane teams. So yeah, it's a big deal because you got to start to turn the corner and go back to some of the places you've been in the past.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's a, it's a big deal just because of the games that we've seen in the past, Brandon. I mean, we've seen the games against yeah central, central Michigan and, and duke of last year middle tennessee state games that they were supposed to win they lost or or even games that were close games like appalachian state a couple of years back where you know it was a close game and and it really shouldn't have been so for this to be the first game first game i i really think it is a big deal that miami won convincingly 38 to 3 so Tyler Van Dyke wasn't was a topic of conversation. Obviously, going into this game, sure, had an injury. Uh, it was reported, uh, finger injury. Um, but Margaret Cristobal came out and said he was a hundred percent going into the uh, game week. Uh, could be coach speak. We are we all know what coaches <laughs> uh, you know say going into the week. Not trying to give anything away to the opponent, right? His overall stats were 17 of 22, 77 percent, 201 yards, passing one touchdown, one interception. Decent numbers, but didn't really push the ball downfield a lot. Um, besides the the first touchdown to Kobe Young for 44 yards, that was the biggest play of the game. That far. was the
1: biggest play of the game. And, and, and you talked about it, Marcus. I mean – this is a offense that all offseason long they were teasing. Well, what do you like about this new offense? What do you what are you expecting to see? Man, we're gonna take the top off the Maybach, we're going deep, we're gonna get this you know game vertically uh, downfield, and that's one of the reasons I don't like offseason football talk. I just absolutely hate it because you can say that all offseason long, and there wasn't a hint of that, not even a hint of that taking place during this game. You got this Kobe Young run that we're seeing here and he's a tremendous athlete but as Manny Navarro pointed out to me in the press box he goes to the sidelines shortly after that play and Miami's vertical game or vertical threat kind of gets shut down tried to hit Isaiah Horton two or three times down the field couldn't connect with him and something that our viewers if you were not at the game viewers of this game on television could not see Van Dyke did not take guys who were going to be open on plays downfield. He just did not pass it to them. He checked down in one notable case. He checked down to his roommate, Xavier Restrepo, uh, for what was a much lesser game. He routinely threw into traffic, and and it was a very, I would say, I don't want to say concerning. It was a very curious outing for Tyler Van Dyke. You look at across the country in college football, what other quarterbacks did who are considered to be elite quarterbacks in the first games, you had Shador Sanders, who went absolutely bananas at Colorado. Caleb yeah. Williams, who's had two really good weeks. Drake May looked like a super stud. And a lost Spencer Rattler looked amazing with over 300 yeah. yards passing and no offense line to speak of. And, and and what I'm basically saying is when you think you have a guy, you know what I mean, you're expecting a little bit more. Was he truly injured? There's talk that he he was taped up on his hand or whatever the right. case may be but then why all of the you know hubbub about you know making sure people know that he's 100% fine cuz he didn't look 100%. And if he was a truly 100% and that's the performance that he had there is cause for concern.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh 100% uh I think I think the injury is more than what the coaches and him are letting on uh just because, you know, he just didn't throw the ball downfield and and basically all off season, we've been hearing about, like you said, that this, this was going to be more of a vertical passing game. And we really didn't see that on Friday night on against Texas A&M. We have to see some balls downfield. It it just has to happen. And to your point as well, Jordan Travis was was another quarterback who had an outstanding performance last night. And Tyler Van Dyke. He, he,
1: he threw the ball downfield to this Coleman kid from Michigan State with ease. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it it, it 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 opens a lot of things up because Florida State really didn't run the football well last night. And that's something that a lot of analysts thought going into the season that they would be really well at. Uh, they, 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 they ran the ball well with Travis, and they threw the ball well downfield. And once they started doing that, the run game opened up. And I just think that, OK, this season for the Hurricanes is going to declare sooner rather than later. And I'm really excited about having this Texas A&M game because next week, you know, when all Kane analysts and all people who cover this team, it'll be beyond a shadow of a doubt what exactly is going on in Coral Gators.
0: Yeah, it's it's great that, that we get it early. It's, it's great that we get a game like this, the second game of the season, to really find out where this team is because right. – this first game against Miami of Ohio just kind of tells us that they are at par, or just you know uh, they're not below average. <laughs> you know that's that's kind of that's kind of what it tells us so far. But that Texas AM is going to be a huge measuring stick for this program, and I, I expect Tyler Van Dyke to to have a better game than. What he had in the Miami Ohio game, even though it wasn't terribly bad, he was efficient enough seventy seven percent um throwing the football. He did have. you going to be
1: efficient ball. when that you throw is, the ball sideways so. all game? <laughs> you know, when you when you throw the ball to your left and to your right, I mean, and you're making five ten yard throws, you know, down down the line to the boundary in the field. Yeah, you're going to be over seventy percent passing, and and, right. and 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 that's the thing that. You know, I think it has to be, you know, stated and understood by people who are evaluating his performance. The other thing I'd like to say, Marcus, before we move on from this topic, is I was underwhelmed with Miami of Ohio. I came away from that game thinking that they were a much worse team than was previously advertised. You know, you talked about Cam Kitchens and all of the people that got in front of the media, Ruben Bain, all these folks. They had great things to say about the team and what they saw on film. And I didn't see any of that. So either Miami is super dominant or that team is not going to be good this year in the MAC. And you're talking about a Toledo team that took Illinois, gave Illinois everything they wanted. You know what I mean? That is a conference that, you know, is run by, you know, some teams that can play with the big boys. You know what I mean? And I see them having trouble this year. I don't see them being uh, as good as advertised at all. And so it'll be interesting to track this game, that team, moving forward, especially as we juxtapose it with what we see from Miami as the season progresses.
0: Brandon O'Doy representing footballhotbed.com joining with me today. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke only only converted two other big passes, and that was to his roommate Xavier Restrepo of 26 and 20 yards. But to your point about Miami of Ohio, it's funny. Towards the end of the game, when they inserted their backup quarterback Avion Smith, is when yeah. that offense started to roll. I, I think I think Brett Gabbert is probably going to be looking over his shoulder for the for the next couple of weeks because this type of quarterback kind of plays to Miami's strengths. And right. if you're not if you're not a mobile quarterback, um, a cert- he's certainly not as mobile as that backup Avion Smith, who led this team to a bowl game almost a goal win last season, uh, you know, it, it's just something that, that Miami just kind of took advantage of. And yeah, I don't of that, know
1: if he was super healthy. Um, I saw yeah. him being carted off in the bowels. I don't know if you saw that right outside of the press room, you know, as, yeah. the, as the game was over. So um, And it looked like it had something to
0: do with his leg. Um, so I don't well, know what his health was at the end of that game. Okay, interesting. We'll continue to follow that. Uh, but let's let's continue on with this defense and kind of what they did during the during this game. And they uh, held the Miami of Ohio defense to negative thir- negative three rushing yards in the first half, which is outstanding against any FBS team. You know, um, regardless if it's Miami of Ohio, who's kind of in the bottom, you could say of or the bottom third of the uh, 130 or so teams that are in college football. And 51 rushing yards overall, this defense held the Red Hawks, to, Held them to 2 of 12 on third down conversions, 0 of 3 on fourth down. Their defensive performance overall, Brandon, against Miami of Ohio, big deal, not a big deal.
1: I think it's a big deal. I think you saw schematically from Lance Gidry some of the things that you want to see. Uh you saw them getting after the footballs, some some blitzes and 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 some unique, you know, coverages that allow uh for this team to get pressure. Uh Wesley Besant with a sack. You saw, you know, other guys getting uh to the quarterback. Um there were some coverage concerns, uh, particularly in the slot you know, for this defense to consider because there were guys that ran open. They didn't, uh, they weren't able to connect Miami of Ohio, but there are some things to think about, you know, on that back end, but I saw much more active James Williams. He looked a lot more uh, focused and a lot more interested in being a dominant football player, which he has great potential to be. And so there are some things that you can take away from this Miami defense and what they showed, uh that are really you know, going to give you a lot of confidence moving forward. I was very impressed with how many guys played. They were shuttling guys in and out of there on the front seven, either the defensive line and the linebacking core. I mean, when you look at a guy like Nigel Lee Kelly, number nine, dropping back into coverage at least two times that I saw, I mean, a guy that size who to my knowledge has never played defensive back in any capacity and did a pretty good job doing that. So, there's some freak athletic talents on that defense. And, you know, um, the biggest takeaway for me is the, the young man from Washington State um, who comes in and, and just really solidified that linebacking core and the way he provided leadership.
0: Francisco Maogoa, or Maonoa, I should say, is an outstanding talent. I, I think he has really solidified this run defense and takes pride in it. And we haven't seen a linebacker of his stature since, since Shaq Quarterman hasn't been that long, but still long enough. Um, and until we have seen a linebacker just really emphasize stopping the run. And they certainly did that on Friday night on different levels uh, of this defense. I I think they, they did well, they probably have to do even better against a, a a Texas A and M team if they want to come out with a victory on saturday and back to the offense though brandon i wanted to talk about something that's really important in every football game and that's red zone efficiency and and uh third down efficiency as as well um i think that is something that it needs to be a a point of emphasis the hurricanes they had four attempts four scores but two touchdowns and two field goals and also on third down they were they were uh 3 of 7 on third down conversions now the fact that they only scored two touchdowns 50% on that uh, is that a big deal or or not a big deal for you going into this AM game
1: well, you want to be effective and you want to score points. You know, I, I don't know if it's as big a deal um, as not coming away with points are. You know, credit Andy Borgales, who, you know, was perfect in his field goal attempts. I think he had a longer 42 42, uh, three field goals total for the game. You want to come away with quality points, but it's also measured by how you're playing defensively. So in games where Miami is putting out defensively what they need to do, not being able to convert, is a concern, but it's not a killer. So v- concern versus a killer, yeah, it's a concern. you don't want you want to be at 50 or above you know on your conversion rate for third downs and that's really hard to do, but you also don't want to get in a lot of third down situations because that lets you know that your offense is flowing and you're moving the ball downfield and you're not putting yourself in situations where it's do or die. And I think that there's much to be fleshed out with this Miami offense. I mean, What's Tyler's not so much health. I mean, on balls, he could throw. I I don't I'm concerned about like how he's seeing the field and his decision making, which I've always been critical of Tyler Van Dyke. And I've said this on other platforms and it may not be a popular opinion. I think he was managed so well by Rhett Lashley a couple of years ago, and that's where he got this great reputation. And since he's not, that's not happening anymore you know, we're now getting to see what he truly can bring to the table. And last year he had sort of the injury concerns that, you know, were sort of kind of making you wonder, well, is he injured or is he just not very good? And so now he's, you know, pretty healthy, although something on his throwing hand does not bode well. And I don't know how much of a big deal we can make it without real information, but the reality of the situation is at some level and at some point, he's got to make plays in order for this Miami offense to work. You know, we cannot get around that. He's the beginning and the end of everything. And you look at these elite teams, Marcus, and I've said this before, and I think this bears repeating everybody who's contending for a championship, whether it be a conference championship or a national championship, has a quarterback who's an absolute stud. You saw it last night, Jordan yeah. Travis from West Palm Beach. That guy willed his team to win. And when it was on his head and when he wanted to put the game away, he lowered his shoulder, ran, and, and picked up a first down to to put everything yeah. to rest. And that's the kind of guy you need at that position.
0: Absolutely. Well, we will see um, plenty more to develop this week. Uh, will be well. Uh, we'll we'll see what what is said during the press conferences today from Mario Cristobal and the probably not much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because that's typically what we get from Cristobal, um, but. Should be an interesting week and an interesting result at the end of the day on Saturday. Wanted to switch gears to high school football. Obviously, that's close to our heart here. And one of our local teams here in South Florida, Miami Central, traveled all the way to the West Coast to Las Vegas to battle a top-five team in Bishop Gorman. Unfortunately, the Rockets fell short to... Bishop Gorman, thirty-nine to thirty-five, was the final. This was a close game throughout. I don't know if you were able to watch the live stream online or whatnot. Um, it was kind of fuzzy for me to kind of uh, track this. track this game. Yeah, but it it was it was a, a back and forth battle throughout. Um, Miami Central definitely. Fought till the end, but unfortunately wasn't able to get it done. What are you? Yeah. What's your take? What's your take on Miami Central losing, and is that a big deal? Not a big deal for the powerhouse Dade County program.
1: Well, it's both. It's a big deal in their national championship hopes uh, have basically taken a, a complete dive, and uh, they're going to be in trouble in that respect. Um, it's not a big deal when it comes to you know, the kind of team that they are, because they did show um, great offensive weaponry. And I think the prowess that they show is going to put a lot of teams on notice. The biggest problem for Miami Central is the back end. And and that's the thing that they're going to have to continue to try to coach up and ensure. You cannot give away so many chunk plays uh, and you've got to be a little bit more uh sound in the run game. You know, this defensive line for Miami Central is elite. You know, you've got Randy carry, and you also have Armando Blunt. These are two of the best prospects, you know, at the defensive line position in South Florida uh for the next cycle. So when you think about what they bring to the table, they're really good and well set there, but they can't do that all game. They can't get home all game and you're going to need some coverage downfield. You're going to need to stop giving up these chunk plays. And then you also need to take care of the football. And you know, when you go on the road to play a team like a Gorman and they've done this before, the one thing that Miami has to do is they have to limit turnovers and, and, and they have to limit mistakes. And then I think you can coach yourself out of some things um, especially at the quarterback position. You you, you got to pick a guy and you got to go with one of them. You know what I mean? And it's a scenario where you can have a guy that has some, maybe some packages, uh, but you, you got to kind of make a decision there, and especially late when you bring in a guy that hasn't really played and, and try to ask him to help you win the game or, or ice the game. It's a situation where that can be sort of questionable. But overall, I think Miami Central is still a super talented team. I think they come back home. And show what they can do against Booker T. Washington this Friday night. And they're going to have to play football because that is a talented team that they're going to face.
0: Absolutely. I'm really excited for that game. Short week for them. It's on a Thursday. So from traveling. Yeah, that's That's going to be a tough, tough uh, go for Miami Central. And then I believe Chaminade is the following week. If not, if I'm not mistaken, or two weeks, I think it might be in two weeks afterwards. So that's going to be a tough go for the Central Rockets. Central, of course, has Miami commit Vincent Shavers on the roster. You mentioned the two Miami targets and Randy Adarica and Armando Blunt. And on the other side of the ball at Bishop Gorman, you had Elijah Lofton, the Miami commit 2024 tight end, who had had an outstanding game in this one, scored three touchdowns. Yeah, scored three touchdowns, two receiving and one rushing. So, his rushing
1: touchdown was, you know, and I saw someone on Twitter uh, compare him to CJ. That's at West Virginia. You know, it's a guy that basically played H back tight end and uh, now is a running back. I mean, that's just how this Lofton kid. That's just how athletic he is, and Miami's got to be super excited about him. You know, being a part of this class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited. Uh, with him they they need to add another tight end to this class. I he can't be the only tight end that they bring in, but he is certainly a, a top tier talent from what we saw during the game. Go to canes County. I, I have a
1: question Speak, speaking of tight ends like where was the little Skinner? Didn't didn't see much of him uh against Miami
0: <laughs> Right. Um and I actually put a piece together where I kind of composed all of the snap counts and the player grades from pro football focus. And he did not register a snap. I, I I wanted to be sure of that, did not register a snap. Brandon, from what I've heard um, in, in practice is that he's been just, you know, maybe uninterested or, or not as focused as he should be. He, maybe yeah. he feels yeah. some kind of way of maybe Elijah Royo and Cam McCormick getting most of the first team reps. I'm not absolutely sure of that. I'm just speculating. But it's definitely disappointing to see the outstanding sophomore from IMG Academy not get a single snap when, like you said, a ton of guys got snaps in this game, especially towards the end. A a bunch of freshmen got in this game. Riley Riley Williams, the freshman tight end, got a catch, got his first career catch in this game. So it's definitely a common cost- another Williams
1: who looked really good in three, you know, again, every, all the backups look great when you, you're not satisfied with your starter, but I thought Emory looked good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I thought he looked pretty good for a true freshman, but yeah, Jaleel Skinner. I mean, we're on Jaleel Skinner watch at this point. Like, where is he? You know, <laughs> he's definitely missing in action. Uh, for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Maybe we'll see him in some packages. Uh, This week against Texas A&M, overall the tight ends have kind of been missing, to be honest, because even in the scrimmage, they didn't record a catch. You know, I think Skinner had one target which hit him in the hands, albeit it was kind of high. It hit him in the hands, and he couldn't come down with it. So – yeah, definitely cause concern of concern because Dawson said that the tight ends would be involved, and we when we talked to the tight ends, even in the spring, they said, yeah, they're heavily involved in the offense in different, you know, positions on, on the field in the slot as H back. So it, it's very interesting to to kind of see the tight end position overall missing in action here. But um, but like I said, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe they're you know. Holding it close to the vest for this big game? Yeah, I certainly hope so too because this is a huge one, not only for just the morale of the team, but for recruiting because there will be a ton of recruits at this game. Brandon O'Doy joining with me today for the Storm Tracker podcast from Football Hotbed. He's a a personal friend and colleague, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see him again in the future.
1: Appreciate the invite, man. Always down to help you out. And uh, to all Canes County and Canes fans that are logging on to the Rivals Network, definitely continue to keep it locked. And they do a great job. Marcus, you've done a tremendous job with this site in just over a year. And uh, always appreciate the
0: opportunity to get on and talk ball with you. I appreciate the love. Once again, subscribe to canescounty.com for free. You see it's scrolling on the bottom there. Use promo code MIAMI30. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel and also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on all platforms. Until the next episode of the Storm Tracker Podcast.